0: Well, Sunday our message did not, did not get recorded at Thrive Church, and uh, we do apologize for that. We had some technical difficulties, but due to the overwhelming responses people are asking about the message and upset because it wasn't recorded, um, I decided today to just do a talk over about what we went over on Sunday from the book of Acts. As you guys know, we're in a series called Dangerous Church, and we've been d- discussing and investigating in the book of Acts what made them a dangerous church. Because when Jesus envisioned the church, he envisioned that it would be a group of people who had himself revealed to them. And them as a group would charge the gates of hell. And he said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so what I believe he was envisioning was a church on the offensive Plundering hell and populating heaven, and so we've been discussing this for about ten weeks now in the book of Acts, and this week uh, our text brings us to Acts eight eighteen. And so, if you will turn there, and we'll live in the book of Acts chapter eight this morning. But I want to talk to you about a very important subject. Why is it that some people, under the same gospel, under the same teaching, go two different directions? Why is it that some people, under the same household, the same parents, the same opportunities, also go in a different direction. And that has always puzzled me and as I came to this chapter in Acts 8, uh, I, I saw this play out. We'll, we'll see the story of two men, Simon the Sorcerer and also Philip the Evangelist, and one impacts his generation while another one is declared to have a wicked heart and he's never heard of again. So don't you look here in Acts 8:18? 8, it says this, when Simon saw that the spirit was giving on at the apostles hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may also receive the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you today about the tale of two men. Let's pray. Father. Father. I ask today that you would uh, touch this message. And God, even though it's a talkover and I'm not in the uh, action of a pulpit, I pray that the words would resonate and people's hearts and lives would be touched even from hearing this message. God, I pray that they would have a new understanding of destiny effectors. God, use me, use this time, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we've been talking about the book of Acts so far. Let me give you a brief historical update. Uh, we've been talking about the dispersion in the book of Acts that all stemmed from Stephen being martyred. And there was a man named Saul that oversaw that martyrdom. And we will talk more about Saul in the actually this coming Sunday and what impact that had. But when Stephen was martyred, it shook the core of the church. And the Bible says the apostles did not scatter, but the rest of the disciples scattered preaching the gospel wherever they went. And so we see right now there's a great divide here. If it could be like scene one and scene two, we're now moving into scene two in the book of Acts. They've seen great, great favor take place in uh, Jerusalem. They've been seeing people get saved. They've been seeing things happen. Uh, God's been doing a whole lot in Jerusalem. But when Stephen gets martyred, and I believe that was under the sovereign hand of God, God allowed that uh, from the hands of Saul and The Jews that I believe what happened there was that. God used that as a catalyst for these disciples who began to scatter to go into other nations to preach the gospel, and they would not have done it without this. And so last week, we talked about uh, Samaria and how important Samaria was because of the racial divide, and that's the first place that God sent Philip was Samaria. And so what we see here today is almost like a close-up into the uh, you know the revival in Samaria. We see kind of some stuff to happen there. There's a lot of great and interesting points, but the the whole Key is this. There was the story of two men in this chapter, and both of them have different outcomes in their lives. The first man we see is Philip the Evangelist. We know that Philip was ordained as a deacon in Acts chapter six to help serve tables. He was somebody who his peers really loved, and they thought highly of, and he was he was uh, you know voted in to come in and serve tables and be a deacon. We also know that Philip was an evangelist. He shared the gospel. He saw signs and wonders and miracles happen under his ministry, which was very powerful. Um, we also know this about Simon. I mean, excuse me, about Philip, which is very important, and that's that he had uh, daughters, four virgin daughters who. Prophesied, uh, which shows us that Philip had his family under control. They were not children. He had to drag to church. They were children that knew they were the church. Um, They were virgins, so it meant that Philip uh, did not leave any gaps where his daughters went out looking for boyfriends of what their father didn't give them. Uh, Philip was a family man. He was a man of ministry. Um, He was a man dedicated to the call of God. That's the first man we see. The second one we see is a man named Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon the Sorcerer was someone who had serious character flaws. Even Justin Martyr, who was a historian in the first century during the reign of Emperor Claudius, said that Simon Magus, this is quote here, "...continued to practice magic, and those who followed him, he would teach that they would find earthly riches by Christ and never die." And it said that it was recorded that he did do a lot of mighty acts by devils in Rome. And people knew it was by devils under magic. But his teaching was that if you followed Christ, you'd always be rich and you would always be healthy and you would never die. Um, That may sound like some stuff you hear on TV from time to time um, if you're a a Christian that you see from Christian television. But what I want to look at is is how is it that Simon the sorcerer, this wicked man, uh, Peter comes in and condemns him, which you'll see and really gives him a strong rebuke that we never hear of him again, but we see Philip impact his generation. Why is it, you know, and as I was a youth pastor, I saw the same thing happen. Two people. Under the same gospel, the same teaching. And why would one person decide to be a missionary and impact their generation. While the other girl would decide to go be a drunk sorority girl and leave the cause of Christ. Now it, it baffles me how people can do that. But I believe this passage gives us some insight into what that means for us today. So I'm going to go ahead and read Acts chapter 8 verses 9 through 24. So if you have your Bibles or your copy of God's word. I want you to turn there in Acts 8, 9, 24. And we're going to read the account of what happened for Simon the Sorcerer and Philip the Evangelist. And let's go ahead and turn there and let's get to work. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. That's a pretty strong nickname to have in your community, is the divine power. I never had that one in high school. Uh, They followed him because they had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere. That's important. He followed Philip, but he never followed Christ. Astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Verse 14 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, this is very important. Let me just pause for a second. People think the book of Acts is a bunch of individual mavericks and rogues going around laying hands on the sick and preaching the gospel, and they had no accountability. And so people today will say, I don't need a covering. I don't need accountability. I can do what I want to do. That's how they did in the book of Acts. But as you read here, friends, that is not what happened in the book of Acts. Um, A revival in Samaria breaks out and Peter and John themselves go to see what is happening. Number one, because it's Samaria. Uh, Number two is because they had covering over Philip. Very important. There was responsibility and accountability even in the book of Acts. So, like I told you before, read the Bible slowly and think critically. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And John said to them, excuse me, when they arrived, they prayed, for them, they may receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. Now that word is important; had not yet come upon, not in, and he had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now let me go ahead and clear up some theological uh, uh, mess here, because Acts is full of it. The Holy Spirit come upon them. He was already inside of them. Once you believe on the Lord Jesus, Paul says that that you are baptized into Christ. You have the Spirit of God living in you. But they had not had the Holy Spirit um, to be able to come on them for power for ministry and power for service and power for living. They had not, uh, you know, had somebody pray for them that, that the Holy Spirit would, would fill them in a great way to do great things for God. And I believe that's very important. Um, today, that would translate that you have people in church that know Jesus, they believe, but they've not been transformed. And I believe that you know we as leaders should lay hands and pray for people and encourage them and inspire them to allow the Holy Spirit to come over them and overshadow their life. Not just live an empty life, but live a, a spirit-filled life. And so I want to clear that up for a second. They had the Holy Spirit. They were saved. Now, let's look at verse 18 here. When Simon, the sorcerer, saw that the Spirit was giving at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Um... That somebody, and we'll talk about this later, that wants to do ministry but has never been trained. You have people like that all the time. They get wowed. They watch somebody preach and say, I want to do that, but they have never been processed. And here's what Peter said to him. Peter is such an encourager. Um, I love me some Peter. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Verse 22, repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. Wow. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Um, I don't believe that any of us in American Christianity would make it in Peter's church for any amount of time. Verse 24, then Simon the sorcerer answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. There are four points today I want to share with you. I'm not going to linger long with this being a talk over, but I want to just share four points what I believe really separates people from being Simon the Sorcerer or Philip the Evangelist. The first point, and you can download these in your notes as you're sitting right there. Um, if you're at thrivechurch.me, you can download these notes. You can read through them with the scriptures as I go through them. Make sure you do that um, and you pull those up. But the first destiny effector is this, a lust for power versus... Love of the person of Christ or lust for power versus love of Christ. And look at verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was giving at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, he lusted after the power of God versus falling in love with the person of Christ. You know, he wanted to receive the fullness of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, but he didn't want to. Uh, I mean, he didn't. Want to, he wanted to give it, but he didn't want to receive it. Very important point there, and there's something we have to understand. When we're teaching spiritual gifts. We're talking about the power of God and working for God and serving God. Is that we cannot have a, a desire to see God's power before we see His personality. Now, the gifts of the Spirit. Or his power. But the fruit of the spirit is his personality. And for so long we've had people to display power uh, but not personality. And I believe that we have to, to really yearn as believers to say, God, I want to be able to display your personality first and your power second. I believe that's a call of every believer. And one of the the problems with this and the reason we're in this mindset is because we really hunger after external experiences versus a true love of God and pulling from the internal Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. A lot of us, some people want to stay in church every night they can because and the the main issue is is church is really cracked for them. All they're wanting is another wow me moment. And I'm sad I had to say that the tribe that I'm involved in, called Pentecostalism, is probably the uh, the world's worst for this. We, we we want to be wowed. We want to be moved. We want to be uh, externally motivated, but we have never usually learned how to be internally motivated, and we've. We love God's power, but sometimes I'm scared we don't love His person, that we just aren't in love with Christ. We're in love with styles of church, styles of music. Um, We're in love with doing things, seeing power. But it scares me that sometimes we're not in love with the person of Christ. And that comes from really drawing from the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, uh, you know, there's one thing, I heard a story one time about this Chinese farmer named Cheng Zhu. And Cheng Zhu, and you'll hear this story many times if you hear my my teaching, but it's very important. It's a key principle for me. But Cheng Zhu was a Chinese tree farmer. And he was in a village where they grew special trees with a bunch of other farmers and the other farmers would lavish water on their trees. I mean pour water second after second. I mean they're just lavishing water on their, tree. their trees. The trees are growing. They're doing pretty good. And Cheng Zhu would hold back water from his trees. He would only put just enough to keep them alive and the other farmers were wondering Cheng Zhu why don't you do what we do and externally lavish water on the trees. And Cheng Zhu actually um, you know, said to them, he said, well, there's a drought coming and you'll see why. And sure enough, a drought came. And when the drought came, the other farmer's trees died because they did not have enough external water to continue to pour on the trees. But Cheng Zhu's trees lived and flourished in the midst of a drought. And when they came to him asking how did he do this, he said, friends, I taught my trees roots to dig deeper, to find the internal source, the underground source, the underground well, instead of always having them rely upon external water. Friends, that's what I'm saying here. We've got to be able to say, God, uh, I want to dig deeper my roots with the person of Christ. I want to be able to sit in silence and worship you and, and focus on your spirit. I want to be able to meditate upon your word. Um, God, I want to be able to sit with no one else around and just learn to love you if I never get to do ministry again, if I if I don't like my circumstances. And we've got to learn that when shallow seasons come or for us and desert seasons, God is trying to have our roots grow Deeper in him just to love him. And sometimes I believe God will withdraw his presence. He'll withdraw the wow moments. So we'll learn to love him instead of just his presence. And that's where Simon the sorcerer was at. He was only in love with with what would wow him. He saw this wow thing happen. So he was wanting to be wowed. The second destiny effector in your notes is this. A heart to serve versus a heart to show off a heart to serve versus a heart to show off. Look at Acts chapter 6 verses 3 through 6 as we see about Philip here and his heart to serve. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. As I said before, it's the greatest miracle in the book of Acts. Everybody was happy. God Grant me that church. And I just want to say here that it goes on to say that that Philip was one of the seven that was chosen and they laid hands on him. He wanted to serve and he was very significant. And a lot of times what we've done also in ministry is we want to be prominent. Simon the Sorcerer wanted to be prominent, but he did not want to be significant. And your ear is prominent. If you cut your ear off, you're going to live unless you bleed out. Uh, Hopefully not, but your heart is significant. You can't see your heart, but your heart makes everything else go. And we've learned that ministry is a matter of significance, not a matter of prominence. It's not a matter of being noticed by people and applauded by people, but it's a matter of being faithful in the mundane things that nobody else is looking at. And Jesus said it best in Luke 10. It's called the little big principle. Whoever can be trusted in with very little, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You've got to learn to serve in the small things and learn to do what you can do. And I believe that's a very important principle. Dino Rizzo told the story. As you know, he has a a very large church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Dino said that uh, his call to ministry was very interesting because he went to his pastor. He said, Pastor, I have a call to ministry. And pastor said, that's awesome. He says, don't you come to prayer meeting every Wednesday for one hour with us and pray. So for six months he came. He said, uh, Pastor, I feel like I have a call to preach. And the pastor said, that's great. He says, I've come prepared Sunday to share a message. So Dino gets his best suit on. He studies all week. He has a big black Bible. And he is ready to, to preach. And when he gets there, the pastor brings him to the back room. He shows him 12 chairs and he says, you're going to preach here. He says, to who? And then he said, ten of the most rowdy boys he'd ever met come walking through that door. And he began to teach them the gospel for a year. And after that year, the pastor let him preach in the pulpit. And Dino said that was a turning point in his life because he learned how to serve um, in the little things. And he believes that God has blessed him today because of that. You've got to have a heart to serve versus a heart to show off. And I said this, and I put this on Twitter and Facebook, is that ministry is not a platform to show off, but rather it's a place to show to serve, and here's the third point I want to share with you today: a renewed mind versus revamped actions. Destiny effect: a renewed mind versus revamped actions. Versus or Acts 8:26 says this, and this is in your notes. Acts 8:26, and we'll look at Acts 8:29. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. He, he said, "Say the word." Said as you're sitting there. Said, and then Acts 8:29 says the Spirit told Philip. And then the Bible says in verse 13 here, and this is very important, Simon himself believed and was baptized. Well, hallelujah. You can chalk him down on the church record, right? Good. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs that he saw. Philip heard from the Lord. He, he could hear God's voice. Um, we, we know today that we hear God's voice through his word, his, his written word, and we can also hear secondarily through God just speaking to our, our heart. But Philip could hear the Lord. He, he knew the Lord. He knew the Lord personally. But Simon the sorcerer did not know the Lord. He followed Philip, but it never says he followed Christ. He, he, was, he believed and he was baptized. But he never moved into a place of relationship. And I, what scares me today in Christianity is that people can train themselves to raise their hands in church they can say they believe the Bible they can train themselves to give ten percent they can revamp their actions to the culture that's around them but some people never have their mind renewed and are regenerated to really know Christ there's some people who who come to church and, and go to church but they've never learned they are the church there are people who are learning the Ten Commandments and they they, they shape their life to Ten Commandments, but they never learn to actually love God and, and, and have a relationship with Him. And friends, that's called revamped actions. My dog has learned a lot of good tricks. But no matter how much I teach my dog, she'll never be a human. The same way, you can train people to act right and do right in church and have a moral code. But if you don't teach them to love Jesus and have a relationship with Jesus, the moral code doesn't matter. And even in in our tribe in Pentecostalism, we've taught people to clap and shout and dance. But they do it because they're told to or they're they're told from a a worship leader. But but do they do that at home when they're just sitting around by themselves? Do they have an intimate relationship with the Lord? Can they truly hear the Lord? And I believe that's one of the factors as we... Can't just have people revamp their actions and follow church and follow pastors, but they've got to learn to follow Jesus Christ. Now here's a fourth and final point today is in this talk over message. Is number four, the destiny effector, is you're focused on temporary success versus leaving a godly legacy. Temporary success versus leaving a godly legacy. Look at Acts 21, verses 8 through 10 very important passage. Acts 21, 8-10 through 10 in your notes. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions, as Luke sharing, departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Philip, as I said earlier, was a, a family man. He wasn't someone who just went around and did ministry and his family suffered. He was totally given over to his family. He had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Very important points there. They were virgins, number one. Um, Usually young girls, when they don't have affection and love from their father, will go looking for it in other places. And usually it's from a young man who will take advantage of that girl and they feel like they're loved. And and so we see here he had four virgin daughters. That means that they had kept themselves pure. So it, it shows and I, I choose to believe here as I read this that Philip was a good father to his daughters. That they were uh, yeah, pure. That they were in love with God and in love with also their dad. They loved their dad. And I think that's very important. He was leaving a legacy. But I think the other, other points very important. It's not that they just didn't do something but that they did something. They prophesied. It shows that they operated in a spiritual gift. That they were active in ministry. That they did not just go to church, but they knew they were the church. And a lot of times we teach students what not to do, but we never teach students what to do. Our conferences are filled with get the junk out of your trunk and get the skeletons out of your closet and stop this and stop that. The Bible does say flee youthful lust, but also says to pursue Righteousness, And we do usually fail in teaching people to pursue righteousness. And I'll tell you a secret for free today. If you'll teach people how to pursue righteousness, then they won't have as much problem with youthful lust. But Philip was a good dad. He was leaving a godly legacy. And friends, I'm going to tell you something. If everybody in the world loves you except for your family, then you've probably failed in ministry I heard this story this weekend from Urban Meyer, who's the coach of Ohio State. And he, as you know that if you don't know football, maybe you don't know this, but I'm a big football fan. He actually coached Florida to two national championships and one of the most successful coaches in history over a short amount of time. But Urban forgot about his family and his daughters, and he actually left Florida, left everything, and took time off a sabbatical from his coaching. Because he was so wrapped up in it and when he went back and Ohio State offered him this dream job his daughters gave him a contract and what was touching as I saw this on college game day was that he when he announced he was going to be the coach of Ohio State at the press conference he actually pulled out this this note he pulls out this note and he, and he begins to read it and he says this is my contract and the athletic directors were like scared like, what is he talking about what's going on people were glued to see what is he pulled out what is he talking about it was a little pink piece of paper that his daughters had wrote down that he will have a date night with them. He'll only work nine hours a day. He will go play golf with his son. He will do this and he will do that. And his daughter said, Daddy, we'll let you coach, but you can't forget about us. And that was very touching that he said, I'm going to leave a godly legacy. Philip left a godly legacy. He had children who loved God. Today, I just want you to, to to think about why is it that some people make it and some people don't? Why is it that some people turn out to be Simon the Sorcerer and some turn out to be Philip the Evangelist? And I believe that there's four destiny effectors are very important. You know, having a heart to serve versus a heart to show off. Are you willing to serve? Do you go saying, what can I do to your pastor? Do you ask him, how can I serve? What can I do to help? I believe that we have to have a heart of service. I think the second factor is that we have to be able to, um, well, it was actually the first factor. I just messed the altar call up and thank God there's no piano behind me. But I believe the other one is a lust for power versus a love of the person of Christ. Are you more in love with experiencing God or in love with God himself? And that means if the praise team is playing twinkle, twinkle, little star, or they're playing your favorite song, you're still going to worship God because He created the stars. And you're worshiping Him, not a song or a feeling or experience. I think another one is we have to also gauge ourselves with a renewed mind versus revamped actions. Have you just trained yourself to be good? Or have you actually been renewed by Him who is good? Uh, Do you have a renewed heart? Are you just obeying commandments? Or are you in love with the God of those commandments? And finally, a destiny effector is you've got to be focused on leaving a legacy. You've got to be focused on the next generation. You've got to be focused on what's happening past yourself. I think those are very important factors. Now, I've preached almost 28 minutes here. Um, I probably did 45 minutes on Sunday. Uh, but I wanted to share with you this message, and I hope it blesses you. Make sure that you download the sermon notes there. Um, share this message with other people. You can you know, put the link into your Facebook and to your Twitter and say that you just heard a great message. But thanks for letting me just sit down today and do a talk over with you. Um, we'll be in Acts chapter 9 this week talking about God's intervention and how God intervened in the life of, life of Saul. Thanks so much. May God bless you this week.